Our human culture and tradition provides death with more pride than it really deserves. All our rituals and rites surround death and misplaced honor, when in actuality, we ought to celebrate life while it exists. The poet John Donne said it best when he wrote, Death Be Not Proud. In that great poem, he highlights that it is but a short sleep, and death will be no more. Death, like sin, is a product of error. The resurrection is the correction of that and takes us back to completion. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Sabbath School U. I'm Jared Lutz, and today we are joined by three panelists who I will let introduce themselves. I'm Pam, and um, I've jumped out of an airplane before. Right on. <laughs> With a parachute. Nice. <laughs> and I'm Gina Backus, and I went to Barbados and rode on one of those water seats behind a boat, and I thought I almost died. Good. <laughs> and, um, I'm Ricardo Backus, with my lovely wife, Gina. And, um, one death-defying moment was um, when I was paragliding, and uh, they let go of the rope and oh. I was on the boat, oh. and they were trying to reel me in, and, and it fell right into the water. Oh, no. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, sharks! But, <laughs> but I was fine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, if, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, our topic today is death and resurrection, and I would like for you, Pam, to please start us off with uh, scripture and prayer. Sure. So we're reading from John 11:25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Um, so let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you so much um, for this opportunity to discuss um, this most difficult topic. Thank you for um, coming, dying for us, and giving us um, the hope of resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you. Now, admittedly, uh, death is not the most exciting of topics to discuss, uh, but I do think that resurrection, uh, that interplay, the, the correlation between the two, is something that we, we really should point out uh, in, in this topic. Um, why do you think that the teaching of resurrection is so crucial in our understanding of, of death? I mean, I, I like to think of, uh, recently, I don't know if you heard about the circus accident where the carabiner broke and then the human chandelier, uh, the women hung by their hair and they all collapsed because of that one link that was broken. Oh, yeah. I, I like to think of the teaching of the resurrection as that carabiner. It's that one thing where, you know, our entire belief system is based on, and I think Paul says it best, you know, um, if Christ um, wasn't resurrected, then our preaching is useless. Um, those who have died are lost, and our pre you know our preaching is in vain. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, I think if if Jesus would have died and never resurrected, then Satan would have won. So um, the disciples were so discouraged, so distraught because they're like, and then he's dead like that. I mean, but on that Sunday, he woke up, and as a result we can wake up. So it's very important to teach um, the resurrection. Because mm. without that message, what's the purpose of our faith? Right. Like our faith would be in vain, totally. And if Jesus can do it, then he gives us that promise that we can do it too and that we have that hope. 
Interesting. Uh, so if we're, if we're talking about death and we're talking about resurrection, uh, what, is, what is death according to Scripture? What, what is death? Uh, Jesus said what about death? It's asleep. Right. It's and like what a, does that imply? Like when we go to bed, we expect yeah. to wake up. Mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. Right. A state of unconsciousness. Like when we're sleeping, we're not doing anything. We're, we're, we're completely checked out. We're, we can't <laughs> type emails. We can't type emails while we're in sleeping, right? Yeah. Except yeah. in our dreams. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you're totally asleep. Your soul is even asleep. Just everything is gone. And you're, you're buried underneath like nothing is going up or down. <laughs> you're just underground. Yeah. It's a re I guess you're a reversal of the creation process where huh, God explain that. Know, what do you mean? Right. So in Genesis um, you know it's described how Jesus created Adam. He formed Adam out of clay and then mm -hmm. breathed um, the breath of life into his nostrils. Mm -hmm. So um, and then back in um, I think it was Matthew where Jesus resurrects um, the little girl. Mm. You know um, it says the spirit returned back to her and mm -hmm. what is, good and I don't want to interrupt but is that what resurrection is what is resurrection we, we talk about resurrection and perhaps Pam you can just continue right along maybe you were going to say it but what is resurrection then if we understand that death is but asleep what is resurrection I mean it's a well I, I know we're going to be transformed and mm -hmm. that you know that's uh, in Romans and um, but it, it's a reversal mm -hmm. of death oh okay good Exactly, that's what I was going to say. It's like a total reverse. It's like the opposite of um, death. So it's like an, another life, a new life after mm. death. Like a revival. Revival. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Um, what do you think that in this conversation about death, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions uh, about what happens after death, what, what occurs, what is death, what is resurrection, when is all of this taking place? Um, what do you think some of the inherent dangers are with perhaps the concept of, well, the immortality of the soul? What are some of the dangers with believing that or thinking about that or maybe that are inherent to the immortality of the soul? Mm -hmm. I think um, one of the dangers or a distress that people can have is to think let's if if a loved one were to die mm -hmm. and if they believe that now the spirit is in heaven watching down on earth then isn't that isn't that loved one worrying and stressing over you shouldn't they be shouldn't they be happy in Seems heaven a little unfair yeah but now they're right. looking at us and I'm like oh my goodness my poor my poor baby what's going on my uh, my husband my my friend he, I mean, he got in a car, in a, into a car accident. So it's like, it's, it's a danger to think that way because I wouldn't want then my loved one up in heaven stressing over me and worrying about me. Mm. Shouldn't they be hanging out and having a wonderful time in heaven? Mm -hmm. So that to me is a danger to think along those lines. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's basically a perpetuation of the lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, oh, okay. you shall not surely die. And I feel like when there, the, the you know, idea that um, the, the, you know, conscious soul is basically saying, you're, you're dead, your body's dead, but your soul just is still alive and, you know, participating right. on life on earth. And, um, you know, it's, it allows um, Satan's tentacles into your mm. life because I, I had an acquaintance who would tell me her mother had passed away mm -hmm. and in her mother's old room she would hear noises and she would actually go into the room and start talking to what she thought was 
the soul of our right. mother. So it's a very... And um, this concept, it's like what Pam was saying, it's really Satan's deceitfulness. And he's very sly and he has his ways of um, perverting truth. And so I feel like for many, many years, he's been telling the same, this lie. Like it's in media, you see it in cartoons. Like I remember as a kid watching Looney Tunes and Disney <laughs> movies and like it all implies this concept of um, that your soul is mortal soul. Mortal. Yeah. And it's also dangerous because if we believe that we continually live one way or another, um, whether it's in our body or in spirit, then why did Jesus have to die? Right. And, not, right. and, and in addition to that, what's the point of this life? Right. If we're going to go to heaven, or right. if, if there's if there's the next step is the immortality of the soul, right. why are we living here in our bodies in this imperfect world? And then there, I mean, there is no judgment. It nullifies any kind of, basically you can do whatever and still live forever with your immortal soul. Right. Mm -hmm. no. I didn't mean to interrupt, so please uh, oh, go no, on. Yeah. No. Um, so that, um, that was basically what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that if we live here on earth, um, it doesn't really matter what we do because we're going to, I mean, we're going to eventually keep living, keep mm. living. It's not something that we have to do. We didn't need, basically I was just saying, we didn't need Jesus to die. And so it's like, throw him out of the equation. Mm. Right. Like, Whereas you know, really, he is the equation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, very, very good point. Um, if you could, let's turn to Luke 16, 19 through uh, 31. We probably won't read all of it, but uh, this is the story of Lazarus. And I think that it's really good to, to kind of combine this or to continue this conversation about the immortality of the soul with Lazarus. Mm -hmm. So if you want to look over it just really quickly, um, I, my, my question that would come from this, I, I think that in studying the story of Lazarus is, how are we supposed to understand the whole story of Lazarus if we don't necessarily agree with the idea of there being an immortal soul? Uh, how, how do we justify the story of Lazarus or understand the story of Lazarus if we don't really line up with the immortality of the soul? I just want to um, clarify that this mm -hmm. isn't the same Lazarus that Jesus explained. Right? Yeah. Okay, so this is, um, this is more like a parable. Mm. So, um, being a parable, Jesus used parables um, for to talk about in everyday situations. They to get down on their level. Right. Um, for instance, if Jesus was here right now, he'd talk about you know um, like basketball or any sporting event to <laughs> to un so that we'd understand um, what a foul shot is, and that's that's when you get fouled, and then um, you get two free shots. And then that maybe he'll be like, well, that's what grace is, you know. And, and you gotta make, you gotta sink the shot to win the, to win the game. Anyway, <laughs> so what in this context, yeah. with this story, tell us a little bit about what's going on here. Okay, um, so basically, you have two two people here. You have the rich man mm -hmm. who lived a luxuri luxurious life and didn't give to a man at, that lived at his gate, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and this man was a beggar and basically they both passed away and so they both go to Abraham and and the rich man is saying oh you know can I um at least can I I'm, I'm tormented right now um and can Lazarus just dip his finger and and put uh, like a 
cool drop of water onto my tongue so that I can, um, I don't have to be in this agony anymore. Mm -hmm. um, well, right when I read that, I was like, wait a minute, if we're talking about, if people are gonna think that this is what, how Jesus believed and not solely a parable, mm -hmm. um, a spirit doesn't have a body, right? Mm -hmm. So how can there be a finger involved and how can there be a tongue involved? Right. So right there uh, makes me think, okay, so this truly is a parable and he's wanting to, the main point of this um, parable, I believe, is to show that uh, what we do here on, in this world, our character and, and our, our good deeds um, does affect our, our afterlife, after mm -hmm. we die and then in the future when we're resurrected. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. Yeah, because if you just read this literally, it's kind of confusing. And it's like, if we don't believe in um, spirits or, right. you know, it's like, huh, why is Jesus saying that? Right. But like Ricardo was saying, our lives here on earth, it's really, um, our future is det determined by how we are here um, and our daily decisions that we make right. in this life. I think Jesus was addressing um, several of the prevailing notions of the time. Mm. One was um, people often uh, use the outward appearance of people to judge their spiritual life. So, you know, uh, I remember one part where the disciples passed a blind man and they said, Jesus, who sinned, this right. man or his parents? His father, right, and, yeah. and Jesus said, neither. So I think he was just trying to say, you know, just because the man was rich didn't, did not mean he was a great disciple of God. And just because the man was poor and had sores does not mean he was sinful. Or, right. In fact, yeah. he was the one who, um, you know, loved God and ended up being in a better place. And then, of course, like cool. you said, um, basically what we do on this life is it. Like, uh, I think another point is the chasm that Abraham points out, you know, there's no second chance. You mm -hmm. can't hop over from hell to heaven, right. basically, right. once you're, you know, whatever you're done in this life, it's done. It's going to matter. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Great points. And I, I do thank you for that clarification, because often if we talk about Lazarus, it does mm -hmm. seem like we're talking yeah. about the Lazarus, Lazarus. But in this case, it is more of a parable. And, and I, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Um, but with this, if we're studying uh, about death and resurrection, what role do you think Christ's resurrection has uh, for ours? Or what's the relationship between Christ's resurrection and our eventual resurrection? It's everything. Explain. It's everything. I mean, Explain. I mean, referring back to the first verse that I um, kind of paraphrase, it's, you know, um, Christ's resurrection means that um, our sins are forgiven. The, the, the price for, you know, the, the, the wages of sin is death. But because Christ died, that was paid. The price was paid, and now we have a chance at eternal life because he died and he was resurrected. If he just died, then we'd still be in our sins, and, mm -hmm. you know, there would be absolutely no point. There'd be no change. There were, yes, yeah. exactly. Right, and that means he's victorious, and because he won, in a sense, he's the victor, and so... Won what? What, what do you mean? So, because death, even... Death is powerful itself, right. but death didn't win over. Jesus did. He, because of him resurrecting, he overcame death. And so we have, like I said before, that hope, that great hope that death isn't the end of us. It's like we'll all be with Jesus afterwards and we'll be happy and no more pain, no more sorrow. It's kind of just a step, yeah, the next step. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
He won. What did he win? He yeah. won the basketball game. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Slam dunk. There you with go. Two seconds to go. Yeah. You know, Satan is is um guarding him and he's posterized. <laughs> Satan is posterized. <laughs> then there's a picture of Satan, of, of Jesus just slamming it home. And and Satan has nothing he can do. He can just crumble, go home, whatever. Because if we if we yeah. look at yeah. death being ultimately the result of sin. It really is the defeat mm-hmm. of sin. And I, mm-hmm. I, I like what you're saying, it's that, that victory, that winning of the basketball game, mm-hmm. that overcoming of, uh, well, of, of death itself, and that mm-hmm. good, good points. Um, I, I think the next thing that I'd, I'd like to say is, uh, how might believers ensure that they have part or take part in the first resurrection and in the second? But let's start, what are we talking about here? If we're talking about the first resurrection and the second resurrection, could somebody explain that to me? Um, what I what I feel um, those two are, um, the first resurrection is when Jesus comes the second time. So he's come already, <laughs> but he's coming back. He's coming back for the first time. He's but for coming, the second time. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back <laughs> in the class. The second, second time. time. Right, exactly. We're waiting on his second, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. second return. Right. Which would be, if we are dead at that mm-hmm. point, um, we would rise from the dead, and that would be our first resurrection right again those who are still living when he's coming those will be those will rise first okay um so okay that's the first first right. resurrection and then so um the bible and other uh teachings or other um things that i've read um say that we'll be in heaven mm-hmm. for a thousand years mm-hmm. and then when jesus returns i guess is this the third time <laughs> I, I <laughs> this, is, this yeah. is like the third it time seem, it does yeah. seem like that. the third right, time but yeah. now with us and we're coming down, um, the, those who did not follow his will, those who were on Satan's side, mm-hmm. those will be resurrected, and those will actually then die for good. Now, when we talk about die mm-hmm. for good, mm-hmm. how do we understand that within our church? What is that, that second death, I guess? Is that an eternal, well, suffering, or is it just dead, and sleep? How do we look at it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's just the final sleep. It's, right. it, it's not um, a prevailing, uh, prevailing notion of, you know, tormenting mm-hmm. and, you know, weeping and gnashing. Right. Kind of, kind of that imagery yes, that we usually torture. typically get. Right. right. Yeah. You know, the, like, when I mention cartoons, they always display it as, like, people in fire. <laughs> a right. Yeah. Yeah. And the devil poking them. Yeah. 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 But... How is God love if He's gonna make them yeah. suffer like that eternally? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think because God is love, that that's not really the. Um, it doesn't match right. His character, right? It would yeah, be it un- unfair. Right. 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 And so uh, that leads me to that question: How how can we make sure, as believers or as children of Christ, or as uh, in our case, missionaries, mission mission people, mission-minded people, how do we? ensure that we're a part of the first, second coming, not the second one? <laughs> um, I think by choosing God every day. Um, I, I don't believe in the notion um, that once saved, always saved. Hmm. Because if you were saved when you were 13 and you asked Jesus into your life at that point, um, then you can do whatever you want for right. the next 60, 70 years of your life. Right. I feel that... Um, for me at least, I need to get up in the morning and just say, Lord, I choose you as my Lord a constant and as my Savior. Thing. And I just walk with Him 
every, every moment of the day. Um, it, is, it is possible, some may think it's not, but it is possible to pray without ceasing. Oh, yeah. And throughout the day, I'm just asking God to help me, help me to do my best in my job, help me to, do, um, to, to find someone. Yeah, that's the other thing I say, Lord, use me, because I'm not the only, I don't want to be selfish and, and only um, say, okay, I want, I want to be there in the first resurrection, but those around me, ah, eh, take it or leave it. <laughs> I want to share with others right. how they can also uh, be there with me when I rise again. The way I look at it is, you know, it's not that God is a harsh judge who's just waiting for us to mess up and say, okay, you're out, you know. Right, right. But, but he's a loving father who just, he wants all. I mean, it's not like there's limited space and, you know, if you don't make the no cut, vacancy. you're out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, he wants all of us to be saved. And I think it starts by, you know, developing a relationship with him. Um, how do we knowing his character and how we do that, we read his love letter to us. Mm-hmm. That's how we know the character of God. And as we know the character of God, you know, we fall in love with him more. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, I think just kind of leading off of what you said, um, there are so many promises that are made to us in the Bible as, as followers of Christ and to those that follow him and, and to trust in him and believe in him. How do you think, uh, well, really, how can we learn to trust in God's promises about eternal life when right now, it seems like death has such a hold on, on our understanding of what life is about, or really it seems like death is the victor. Hmm. Yeah, um, so a couple months ago, um, it was my grandfather's fourth year um, anniversary of passing, and I stood at his grave, and um, I saw a, a bee land right on his tombstone, and I was like, you know, you you stinking bee. (laughs) Death has no sting. Hmm. Um, How does the rest of the text go? Oh, oh. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your victory? Where is your sting? I was like, you're not going to, you know, right now you represent the bee. You represent Satan. And that's why my grandfather is down in the grave. But no, Jesus is the answer. Hmm. And and when I look at, um, to go back to your question, so victory is in Jesus. And mm. when I stand there and I, I go there every year, um, next year will be our, my fifth time, um, I can look up to heaven and say, you know, he's down there right now, but victory is in Jesus. And I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, he has never met my wife. Right. And um, I just can't wait for them to meet because he's going to love Gina. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I've had a lot of family members pass away um, within these past five years, and friends as well. And so we want to see our loved ones again. Right, of course. And so we always say we have this hope, we have this hope. We're like, but what is that hope? Right. And it really is Jesus. And when he comes, that's like the day that we've all been waiting for, we want to wait for. For me personally, it's, you know, as I've, in my journey with God, as I've realized he's come through and he's really kept his promises. Mm -hmm. And if he says, um, you know, that he is coming back again, you know, that verse about in my house, in my father's house are many mansions. If, If I go there, I prepare a place for you. So as I realize he's kept all these promises regarding other things to me, then I know 
in regards to death, he, he will, you know, his promises are true. So based on what we've already seen him say in other places or what has been said about him, what he has said himself in scripture, there's really no reason to doubt. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we can trust the things that he has said that have already been proven, that mm -hmm. have already shown to be true, that have already shown in our lives and, and people in the Bible and throughout history mm -hmm. have constantly proven true, I totally agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't doubt mm -hmm. what he says about life. Absolutely. And we shouldn't doubt what he says about death. Mm -hmm. uh, the last question that I have, in scripture, it's made very clear uh, that faith is the ultimate qualifier mm -hmm. for resurrection, eternal life, etc. Um, my, my question that I'd like to close with, if, we, if we've got the time, which we do, uh, is why are works still taken into the equation? What importance is there for works? in this whole equation of life, death, resurrection, salvation? I mean, the first verse that pops in my head is, you know, faith without works is dead. And uh, to quote a famous person, um, it, it's like a submarine with a screen door, mm. basically. I mean, it, it's, um, you, you can have faith, but as an outpouring of your faith come the works, the fruit, basically. Mm. Mm -hmm. So faith without works is dead. I totally agree that agree with that. That's in the Bible. Um, now faith, um, one time someone told me faith is falling aimlessly into trusting hands. That's the acronym. Interesting. Okay? And, like but when you're falling, you're also grabbing onto things. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to, um, so you're working. Right. You're working at the same time because I, uh, you're like, what? You know, so I think that when we fall into Jesus's precious hands um, and we're down in his palms, we can still then grab a hold of his fingers and be used by him to work and to, um, to, uh, to do what he wants us to do in this. What in this. work would that be? In what your work would that be? Yeah, in your opinion. In my opinion, mm -hmm. um, that work is living um, Jesus says what he would want me to do. Um, you know, the whole, the old acronym at this point, WWJD, right. it still holds true today. Um, and I think that by working with God, you can accomplish so much. And without him, what can you really do? What can you really do? What's WWJD? Well, that's what would, what, what would JD? <laughs> I mean, uh, basically referring to what G uh, Jesus was uh, talking about when he said, um, you know, um, when you were when you were hungry, you clothed me. Mm -hmm. When you know, when I was in prison, you visited mm -hmm. me. So I think, you know, those are all the works that we are motivated mm -hmm. by our faith to. Yeah, and um, so you have justification, right? Justification mm -hmm. is when we accept Jesus. Or Jesus died for us, and He's justified, and um, we accept Him as our, you know, Lord and Savior. And then you have sanctification. Sanctification is the works part. Because how can I um, say that I'm a Christian, but then not live it out? So it's a combination of both. Yeah. And I hate to cut it short. I love the point that you're making, and I see where it's going. Uh, if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. Again, that's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Jared Lutz.